Our scripture reading today is from Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Are we working now? All right, cool. Thank you. My name is Dakota. I am one of the pastors here at the Brookside campus, and I am really glad and excited to get to preach Uh, walk through this text with all of you this morning. As you heard right from our reading that the text we're looking at is about parenting and children. And you know I'm up here because I'm the perfect parent. (laughs) Right? Uh, And we're the perfect family. We have the perfect family. Uh, Wait, that's, we're not actually. Uh, This next picture is us also. I think just zoning out, watching TV, because uh, that was what we're doing. Sometimes that happens. Uh, okay, so uh, if that's not why I'm up here, maybe it's because our children are perfect. Is that right? I mean, they are pretty great. Uh, they're wonderful. But no, no, that's, that's not right either, right? Uh, because I think this is just Wednesday morning cartoons because it was that kind of morning, and that also happens. So, clearly not, right? No one is perfect. No parent, no kid, none of us. And that's actually why I'm up here, because everyone needs help. We all need help. Wherever you're coming from with your family situation, whether you have kids of your own or not, whether you are a kid or you are an adult child of older parents, I believe that this text is really for all of us. So let's, let's find out how together. But first, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help, okay? Lord, God, thank you for um, your grace, for showing us that you are a good father, that you love us. You love us so much that you have welcomed us into your family in Jesus. And God, we come to you this morning asking for your help by your Spirit to open up our hearts and our minds um, to hear, receive what it is you want us to know, um, and ultimately what it is you want us to do in response to your love. Um, As we see it in your word, God, thank you for giving us this time together. Thank you for everyone in this room that you've brought here this morning for a purpose. Lead us this morning. Guide us by your spirits. Help us to receive um, your words this morning. May they be honoring and glorifying to you. Um, We love you, Lord. Thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So for those of you who have gotten to know me, I want to address the elephant in the room that is on my face. I... 
So the dad's dash is real, and I'm just trying to embody my inner Popeye Dietz, who's my dad. So this is a picture of my dad with my baby sister, actually, so that was a, f- a few years ago. And then here is a picture of me with my son, my oldest son. Uh, so there's a lot of family resemblance, right? Uh, the mustache is kind of like a Dietz family legacy. Uh, so when I was little, and so that's me, the super baby, and my brother is bat boy. Uh, when I was little, but not that little, but this is really on theme for the Halloween. So uh, when I was little, I really wanted to have and build a treehouse. Just really wanted to do that for a long time. So one day, my dad came up to me and he gave me a yellow blank legal pad, the kind that he uses in his car- carpentry shop. His carpenter, he took measurements and supplies and all that stuff. And he gave me a pencil and he told me to design my treehouse. So I did. And then years went by, and um, then in high school, he got some acreage in the foothills, and he came to me and he said, how about we build your treehouse? And we did. So we built it around this beautiful pine on this hilltop overlooking the property. Uh, Well, he built it, mostly. Uh, (laughs) I think I just stood there. I think I was actually posing for a picture (laughs) while he was working. So there's that. Uh, But even so, we got to build something together, right? And that's actually kind of, that is what parenting is, really. There are primary and secondary roles, for sure, right? The parents are the directors, the leaders, the initiators of the work. But children are as much a part of that building process as the parents, which is why I think Paul actually addresses the children, as we're going to get to later on. Megan and I have gotten to build our family more or less from the ground up, uh, being away from our our parents. But all the while, we've kind of been adopting and incorporating or adapting or changing out all the ways that we learned about parenting and family from our parents growing up. And I think that no matter who you are, where you are in your faith journey, whether you are single or married, have no kids or have five kids, it's important to get to know your family history, to know yourself, to know how you were built up to f- informed to believe what you were formed to believe about family, about parenting, about conflict, about work, about rest, about children, about friendships. Because all of these family-related issues have a huge impact on how we interact with God and interact with one another in the church, in the family of God. And honestly, this, I think, is uh, a place of brokenness that can often lead people to deconstruct their faith. Right? So someone um, might sound a little bit like this. I'm a single young professional who used to be really involved in church, but someone told me I should quit my job and focus on having children. Or, I've been praying and praying for a baby, and God just won't fix my fertility issues. Or, 
I have two or three or four young kids at home, so now I'm a stay-at-home parent, but I feel alone and exhausted. And getting everyone to church every week is just pushing me over the edge. Or my children are adults and out of the house, and they've walked away from the Lord or from church. I just don't know if I can trust God with them or with myself anymore. And in all of this, there is so much grace. There is abundant mercy in Jesus for our broken hearts. That's why it all comes down to Jesus. It has to come down to Jesus. So in our series, through this book of Ephesians called Reconstructing Faith, this is where reconstructing faith happens. Right? We're rebuilt on the true and better way of Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at today with a special emphasis on raising children. So when we look at Paul's instructions in Ephesians 6, this is what we learn. Parents, your most important task is to build up your children in the way of Jesus. Build up your children in the way of Jesus. I think there's two essential components to this building process that we're going to look at. First, parents, make sure you're following Jesus first. And two, children, follow your parents as they follow Jesus. So we're going to start at the end of the passage, actually, with Apostle Paul's words to the parents. So I'll put that verse up. Um, it's Ephesians 6, 4. It's going to be on the screen. And I'll read it in the ESV, and then I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase um, by Eugene Peterson. And I think he just does an amazing job capturing the tone of what Paul's saying. So here's first in ESV 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here it is in the message. Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Now, I've got fathers up there highlighted on the verse. This verse definitely applies to both mothers and fathers, right? To parents. But I'm really glad, actually, that the translations kept fathers in there instead of swapping it out for parents. Because it actually gives us the opportunity to see something really important that Paul is doing in this section of the letter. So this section actually starts back in Ephesians 5, verse 22 which we're going to get to next week. We're going a little bit out of order. And then it stretches to uh, 6 verse 9 in the passage after ours for today. So this section of Ephesians, that part of the book, is called the household code. And it's a common literary form that was used in Paul's time and culture. So I want to make sure that we see is that Paul uses this common form, this household code, in a uniquely subversive way. Paul's original readers would have been really familiar with this form. And so he borrows the form, but then he flips it upside down. 
He does that by infusing it with a reminder that it is God who is in charge, who's actually in control, not the father of the household. Which might not actually sound that radical or subversive here in Kansas City, Missouri in 2022. But can't forget how intensely patriarchal Paul's cultural moment was, right? Everything stood or fell with the patriarch of the household. Everything. So much so that in the typical household codes of the day, the entire purpose of the instruction was the ultimate control and comfort of the patriarch, of the father. So New Testament scholar Timothy Gombus is really helpful in this. I'm going to read something he says. The counsel in the code is directed toward the well-ordered household with a view to how the patriarch would maintain control over every other member of the community. The Apostle Paul's instruction, therefore, is radically subversive. Where there are hierarchical relationships, such as parents and children, Paul addresses the subordinate members first, giving them unprecedented dignity. They are equal, full and equal participants in the people of God. In contemporary visions of ancient society, these members were not addressed. They appear only as objects of control by the patriarch. But among God's new people, there is no place for control, domination, manipulation, or exploitation. Rather, mutual respect and service is the norm. So we're going to get Ephesians 6, 4 actually back on the screen. I want you to read it again to yourself with this context about the household codes in mind. Ephesians 6, 4 applies to both fathers and mothers. But I'm so glad that he addresses fathers directly. Fathers can't just do whatever they want. Right? He demands, Paul, that the fathers show humility before their children. Not just forcing them to do whatever the father wants. It's not all about the father. It's about Jesus. So here's how, I, how I'd summarize Paul's command. So if you write anything down today, make it this. It's related to our big idea. Parents, your most important task is to lead your children in the way of Jesus. Lead your children in the way of Jesus. You can see where this comes from 6.4, right? Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. It just sounds so great, right? As an ideal, the big obvious question is how, right? It sounds great, Paul, but how in the world do I do that? What is even the first step I should take? I don't even know. So I want, I want the question answered as well. And uh, we have 6.4, which is great. We also have the whole rest of the book of Ephesians. Because parents, your children, are your closest neighbor. Bring them up, lead them in the way of Jesus by building them up, just as we're called to do with one another in the church. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 15 through 16 with me. I'll read it here. It's a, couple, it's a little bit back, but here it is. Rather, 
speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul talks about this building process of helping one another become a more mature expression of the body of Christ, the church. We're always growing up. So that's what we are called to help our children do, to build them up in love, which is shorthand for building them up in the way of Jesus. So your children are your closest neighbors. They're also your most needy. You and your spouse need each other, and you need friends, for sure. And we're going to talk about Paul's words to parents, uh, to married folks specifically, next week. But it is your, ch- your children's, your child's utter dependence on you that is written into the design. So your children are your closest neighbors. They're also fully participants in God's household. Even if they don't yet trust Jesus as their only king, if they are here, they are a part of our community. All with their own potential made in the image of God to bear unique fruit according to how he's made them. Then as we look beyond Ephesians, we actually have the whole counsel of God, right? All of scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Because while Paul was writing this, right, Ephesians 6, he had in mind the Old Testament. I think specifically Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 6. So he quotes directly from Deuteronomy 5, actually, uh, in verses 2 through 3 on children. But I also want us to look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. I think there's parallels there that are just amazing. In this passage, Deuteronomy 6 was foundational for the people of Israel, the people of God at that point, and it's still foundational for us as the church today. So I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase, and I just want you to notice just how closely it ties in with what Paul is saying in Ephesians. So here's Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Attention, Israel. God, our God, God, the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you wake up in the morning to when you fall into your bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. And when we read this, I think we can get thrown off by the word commandments, right? We might think commandments, that sounds like a bunch of rules. I thought following Jesus was about a relationship. And it is. So we have to remember what Moses means by commandments. He's actually referring to the whole of God's law, right? Which was given as God's good design to his people to help them live 
a set-apart life for their good and for his glory. For their good and for his glory. So Moses is actually is really saying something like this. Write the way of God on your heart. Put it inside you so deeply that it can't ever be removed. Fill every inch of who you are with it so that it oozes out of you. So look again at the sentence I highlighted in here. It's by itself. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and get them inside your children. Sounds a lot like Ephesians 6, 4. As a parent, your most important task is to build up your children in the way of Jesus. But I want you to notice something. Right? Do you see a progression? Like there's a pro- progressive, um, a progress to this verse. Right? It's a clear command of how parents ought to interact with their kids, right? Get the way of God inside your children. As Paul puts it, lead them in the way of their master. But who needs this way first? Who's called to get God's commands inside them before the children? It's us, right? Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. If you want to build up your children in the way of Jesus, make sure you're following him first. Make sure you're following him first. So here's some honesty from my own life. When I look back over my worst parenting moments, the reality is that I was not acting in those moments in accordance with the way of Jesus. Like when I just totally lost my temper and yelled at my kids. Or when I was distracted on my phone and I just totally missed something that my son said to me about his day at school. When I've been selfish and I've refused to sacrifice my own desires for their own good. If you've been around me for long, when I've been on as a parent, chances are you've, you've seen this in me. And none of it is the way of Jesus. In those moments, I couldn't lead my child in the way of the master because I wasn't even following him myself. So if you want to lead your children in the way of Jesus, make sure you're following him first. This is about as weighty as anything you'll find in the Bible. Your children are looking to you to see what it means to follow Jesus. Which is why I'm so glad we have the whole Bible to help us with it. And we also have the whole church family. This is where we actually can, we can weave all of us in together, right? Whether you have kids in your nuclear family or not. Because what Paul is doing here in Ephesians 6, with Deuteronomy 6 kind of in the background, is that the most important first step to God-honoring parenting is to follow Jesus faithfully. 
And who can follow Jesus alone? No one. We need each other to walk in the way of Jesus together. As we journey together, my relationships with each of you actually make me a better parent because my relationships with each of you slowly but do surely help make me more like Jesus. And when I'm more like Jesus, then I'm able to take my child by the hand and lead them in the way of Jesus. And even more directly, I think Megan and I shouldn't be the only adults who are doing this, who are taking our children by the hand and leading them in this way. Not at all. Whether you've got kids or not in your nuclear family, my kids need you. And if you do have kids, well, my kids still need you. And your kids need me and all of us. So bring your kids to church. Right? This place is an imperfectly perfect place to help them learn Jesus from people who are not you. And then serve with them. Right? Think about this as becoming a two-service family. Right? Pick one service to attend and one service to serve. And if your kids are old enough, you can bring them along to make coffee or to be a note sheet greeter or even to do communion together. And I want to reiterate something that I hope every parent knows. No matter how new you are to our church, please know that we love having children here in the service. Whether you're upstairs here in the service or you're downstairs, your kids are welcome to be kids or to be vocal, active parts of our community. This is the idea of spiritual parenting something Paul actually talks about in 1 Timothy 5, 1 1 through 2. And that idea is actually why we as a whole church family commit uh, at our child dedications, which we just did last week, right? Because parents can't build up their children in the way of Jesus alone without the whole church also committing to build them up. So I want to look at them actually again. These were the commitments that we made as a church family, I'm going to look at them just to remind us. We know that our Lord gladly receives children and blesses them. Do you also receive these children into the nurture of this congregation? And everyone said we do. And do you pledge to assist families in the performance of their solemn vows? And everyone said we do. So how might this actually work in practice? Well, one thing, way to start, is you could actually just ask how parenting's going, right? And then wait long enough to get a real response. You could get to know the kids in your small group, or you could ask a new mom how you can pray for her. You could offer to hold babies, or you could chase down uh, crazy wild toddlers, which, uh, thank you to everyone who helps chase down our wild ones. You could encourage a parent in a hard season, pick up a meal or get groceries. Or you could even offer to bring kids more often into your house for fun events or traditions or celebrations. I think as a baseline, include children 
in your thinking when you're thinking about caring for people in the church. This is what Jesus did. So we should too. So that's what spiritual parenting is, and it's vitally important. So here's our main point again with a twist for all of us. If we're going to lead our children in the way of Jesus, then we, need, then we all need to be following him first. If we're going to lead our children in the way of Jesus, then we all need to be following him first. So that's Ephesians 6, 4, but aren't there like three other verses in this passage? Uh, yeah, and so that's where Paul talks to children. So we're going to go there next. This is Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. I'm just going to read it from ESV. He says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here's how I'd summarize what Paul's saying. Children, it is right for you to follow Jesus as, to, for you to follow your parents as they follow Jesus. It is right for you to follow your parents as they follow Jesus. The reality is that Paul is very clear in this verse, right, on his instruction. He says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That's why I use that language in this key idea, right? This is right. It is right for you to follow your parents as they follow Jesus. There's just no getting away from this. And the idea of children following parents as they follow Jesus comes from what we already talked about in 6.4, but also comes from that piece, obey your parents in the Lord. Follow your parents as they follow Jesus. So here's the deal. Children, students, however old you are, don't miss what the Apostle Paul says next in verses two through three of the passage. Don't miss the payoff, so to speak. Look at, look at it again. It says, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you you may live long in the land. So the part in quotes is where Paul is quoting from the Ten Commandments, right from Deuteronomy 5. And the part in parentheses is his reminder that there is a payoff from this. Or to say it another way, there is a benefit to your obedience. There's a benefit to your obedience. I wholeheartedly believe that it's not only right for you to follow your parents as they follow Jesus, but is also for your good. I believe that your life will be better if you follow your parents as they follow Jesus. I believe that. But I know that there are still lots of questions. Like, what if my parents don't follow Jesus? What do I do then? What if my parents tell me to do something that causes me to disobey God? I think these are important, thoughtful questions. I think they're probably best suited for a follow-up conversation, right, in person, which would be great. So reach out, right, students, 
Grab Taylor or grab me or someone else besides your parents and let them know what you're questioning, what you're wrestling with. But I also say that God's put you as a child in your family for a reason. Right? It's not by accident. Ultimately, you are supposed to obey God, so if your parents tell you to do something that's against God's commands, it's always best to obey God. But generally, I'm fairly confident that uh, your parents love you and want what's best for you. Tragically, that's not always true, but I'm willing to bet that here in this room, it is true for nearly every child and teen who's here. know this. It's hard. Right? It takes a long time to learn how to listen to your parents. If you're four, you're not going to obey your parents right away. Uh, I know all about that. Um, And if you're 14, you're going to wrestle with what you want versus what your parents want. And that's okay. There's grace for you. Right? That's why there is Jesus. That's what Jesus is for. He is for you too. So the pathway forward for the kids and students here in this room really is follow your parents as they follow Jesus. If you do that, right, kids and students, you'll also be following Jesus, which is what all of this comes down to in the end. Right, no matter who we are in this room this morning, there's no age restriction on this. Whether you are a parent of young children, a parent of adult children, you're an adult with kids or without kids in your nuclear family, if you're a young child, a teenage child, an adult child, whoever you are, every single one of us, what does this all come back to? Following Jesus. Following Jesus. Well, Pastor Holly asked a great question to us, to the staff at our retreat this year. She asked, what is one thing you received from your parents that you're grateful for? And when I think about my dad, I love him very much. I'm really grateful for him. He hasn't led me to follow Jesus. He would be the first to say that he doesn't follow Jesus, but he has loved me. He gave me the gift of seeing that we could build something in real life just from our imagination and that we could build it together and that building something like that was worth doing, something that was true and good and beautiful doing that for your kids, even if they're not necessarily ready to receive the love that you are pouring out into them. So even though he doesn't yet follow Jesus, my dad led me to see a part of Jesus that reveals the Father's heart for his children, right? for God the Father's heart for us as his children. God wants to build something beautiful, in our lives. And he wants to build our children up. He wants to build our families up. 
He wants us to build with him. He wants to build us in the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus did for us, right? He led us in the way of Jesus, which took him to the cross, right? The self-sacrificial, others-focused, loving way of Jesus. So it all comes down to following him. And as we follow him, let us show our children here in this community that same self-sacrificial love and lead them together in the way of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. God, that you are our Father. That you have made us, you've called us your own. And more than that, you have redeemed us, you have welcomed us into your family in Jesus. God, we thank you for each and every story represented in this room that's filled with um, brokenness. The brokenness of sin when we've been broken or when we've broken others. And God, I just want to stop and pause and hold those up to you. God, knowing that you came to redeem brokenness. You came um, to us in our sin and you took on brokenness yourself. You were broken so that we would be made whole in you, Jesus. So God, we thank you for being our loving father, for being a good friend who has died for us and brought us into your family. Lead us, we pray, in your spirit to walk in your way because we know we cannot do it alone. We need you. We need your people, the church. We need your spirit to knit us all together, to lead us together in the way of Jesus. So thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.